and welcome to Spieling and Dealing, everyone. I am Patrick S. Harrison. I am joined, as always, by Sam Oliver. We have a great show today. We're going to be talking about Bridgerton, the hot new Netflix show that everyone is buzzing about. And later on, we're going to be talking about the college football playoff, as well as COVID's impact on the NFL playoffs. Uh, But Sam, how are you? How has your new year started? You know, pretty much like the last year, you know, very uh, isolated, uh, you know, spent New Year's with just me and Rico chilling, you know, didn't want to leave him uh, hanging on his first New Year's alone, so. Now, we were going to have a segment, uh, New Year's Entertainment Resolutions. Just give one. But we just got it. Well, see, one of them that I've, I started doing was uh, this year I'm keeping track of all the TV and movies that I'm watching. Steven Soderbergh does this thing where he keeps like a he keeps like a diary of like everything that he watches and then he releases it at the end of the year. And so I'm doing so the same you're thing. You're just like a manual Spotify end of the year like list. I guess so, but I also want to keep track of what I'm watching. Would have made our my end of the year list making easier as well. I agree with that. I think I'm gonna um, do something similar. Maybe not as like dedicated as you seem to be to it, but just to make sure that I don't forget anything come the end of this year. Yes. Well, Sam, let's not waste any more time. Let's cut to a conversation we had with my friend Ashley earlier about Bridgerton. We are now joined by a very special guest, uh, a good friend of mine from film school. Uh, She is not only a talented producer and writer, but also, if I may say, one hell of a dancer. Okay. (laughs) Please welcome Ashley Hall to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. It's, uh, I'm looking forward to, to talking to you guys today. And boy, that, that was quite a introduction. I should pay you 10% to be my manager and my PR guy. <laughs> hey, I'm available. Now, you Ashley- also, Well, you also have the honor of being our very first female guest. That's true. Oh, that is true. Well, I have a great responsibility to my female comrades to <laughs> give a good impression. So you have us back. Well, we needed a woman on the show today. Yeah, we've been looking for it for a long time. We're talking about Bridgerton today. I feel like it would not be right for just two men to sit around talking about Bridgerton. Okay, let, let's get to it. Let's let's cut right to the chase here. We're, we're here to talk about Bridgerton, the new Netflix show, uh, the first of the Shonda Rhimes shows to hit Netflix. Okay, uh, so eight episodes long. Uh, it's basically Pride and Prejudice with a little modern day twist to it. Ashley, why don't you just give us your general thoughts and what you thought of the show? Well, I mean, outside of the fact that it is, as you've already said, Shonda Rhimes, I mean, who doesn't love a good Shonda Rhimes drama? But then you, you know, couple it with the fact that you've got glamorous costumes and you've got a really great yet progressive storyline fit in this alternate universe, you know, that's, I think, kind of timeless in its own way. And then, of course, we add the dancing and the food and the pretty people and, you know. What's not to like? And then to top it off, it's narrated by Julie Andrews. How do you get better than Julie Andrews? Now, Ashley, did you watch all eight episodes? I did. Um, In a shameful back-to-back experience a couple days ago, actually. Listen, there's no shame in enjoying Bridgerton, okay? Ashley, I'm with you. Uh, To quote our girl, uh, the Duchess of Hastings, I burn for this show. Okay, I, I burned for this show. I, I enjoyed it all. Um, you know, it was just soapy, sexy, 
scandalous. This is actually my first experience with a Shonda Rhimes show. I I've, oh. I know I've never seen any of her uh, ABC shows before this. Uh, I was unfamiliar with most of the cast before I watched the show, but I really or not. I've I don't know if anybody's seen Dairy Girls. I recognize the one actress from that, but yeah. listen, you know, I thought it was sexy. I thought it was hot. And I thought it was an all-around great time. So that's uh, that's where I fall on. Well, I think you Bridgerton. touched on something good, and you know. It, it was it's a very sexy and a very erotic show, but in with a certain amount of subtlety, you know, it wasn't it's not so in your face and it creates um, great dramatic tension and build up that I think we haven't seen in a lot of things lately. A lot of things tend to be, you know, oh, I like you. Ooh, let's get to it. So the tension that she managed to bring in that and just that build up of, you know, their hands touch and you actually feel it and you're kind of affected by that i don't think we've kind of seen in a while and for that to be so riveting it's like it's a hand touch but yet she nailed it and that's i think what she does best so it's building those points of tension now i feel like sam's gonna try to spoil our parade here sam you were not hot on bridgerton why don't you jump in here what give us your thoughts on bridgerton i'm gonna start by saying prefacing my comments by saying i only watched two which is as far as i could get lame and I also Shonda Rhimes is not my thing. Like I've I've never watched um, Grey's Anatomy or Scandal or any of those. She does Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you kidding me? I that, know that was like her big break into. Is like, she a billionaire? Probably. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Wow. <laughs> she should be if she's not. But um yeah so it's not my thing to start right and um I watched it because you told me you were watching it with your family so mm-hmm. uh but let me say I did not like it I. I'm going to moderate because I know you both are fans here, so I don't want to like get into this heated argument. <laughs> but, you're safe here. You're safe okay. here. No, when it's, when it's Bridgerton, it gets heated. Okay, okay? so it gets hot. let me oh. start by by addressing the fact that, right, this show is kind of trying to do Hamilton, like the Hamilton thing with the cast, right? So it's taking a – you said it's an alternate world. It's, it's taking place in like in a real – like earth right like you it's know, not he says he doesn't like it but he compares it to hamilton no wow, wait, that's wait, high praise me, he well, loves hold on, it hold okay. on let me get to that well, right? hold on, let us let him finish his thought right. and then and so, it, it, so it is a, like a fake it's a fake story but it's taking place in the real world in the sense like it's really in england there's real places that they're mentioning mm-hmm. real people um but you know it's a like a very diverse cast right so there's normally like in real history these would all have been white people but it's really diverse. So that's what I mean by trying to do Hamilton, right? It's taking like a real historical place and making the cast really diverse. The difference, and this is a big difference is one Hamilton has the hip hop element, which makes sense when you make the diversity, right? Like you put the diversity in it because you're adding the hip hop element with the music. And also it's trying to, Hamilton is trying to make that part of history accessible to everybody when previously it would have like a lot of people would have not seen that as accessible, right? Cause it's uh, slave owning white people, and you know our for our founding fathers and it, it's making that accessible to to everybody this is not this is trying to do that but like in a way that doesn't really have that accessibility feature where it just to me it just comes off as like trying to be progressive with no like substance right it's just it's just casting a a diverse group of people into roles that they wouldn't have historically played and look if that's that's fine if you want to if you had set this in an alternate reality, like outside of, you know, some non-existent place, not England, 
I would have probably been fine with it. But when you're putting it like in this real historical, trying to put in some sort of real historical context, it kind of just seemed like a cheap, cheap to me. Um, that was that's first, and that's like the hottest. Okay, well let's let's just stop okay, you right there. Okay. there. I mean, because part of it is based on history, actually. But that's but my point. I don't think the show is trying to teach us a history queen, lesson. No, no, I think it's on. trying to titillate, right? The queen, though, was said to be of the queen that she's allegedly depicting, or kind of modeled after, if I'm correct, was modeled after um, a, a Portuguese monarchy where they were said to be of different color, but it just wasn't uh, recorded in history books the same way. So from what I understand and from some of the things I've seen in quotes, they try to depict parts of the monarchy in ways that they actually were of mixed ethnicity or mixed race. Um, but maybe, like I said, it just it wasn't depicted in history books the same, trying to create some accuracy. But you are correct. I mean, it, it takes place within history, but kind of in, like I said, an alternate universe. So but they, I know that there was a big point for them to, to not just throw a random person of color into a place but to have some authenticity as to why and, and to create um, authenticity. I'll take your... Hold on here, Sam. I want to jump in. Okay. I, I think you completely missed the point of the show. Like, you jumped well, in here with this like whole serious take. At the show. That's, Let me finish. That's Let just me finish, Sam. Sam, that's you went on a long time. Let me finish here, okay? I think that this show is about having fun and it's about titillating and it's about the romance and the drama. And I don't think it's trying to give you a history lesson. I, I'm not saying it is, but I'm saying it's trying to... It's trying to do this Hamilton thing that doesn't Whoa, work. It's not, you know, this Hamilton thing. I'll I didn't, take, I'll I didn't take, see Lin-Manuel Miranda in the credits. Okay? No, no, but it's it was trying to to be that. Whatever. Like that was just How like, do you know that? Because that's what I took away from the... I think Shonda Rhimes has her own ideas. Uh, okay. I mean... I don't think she's trying to do the Hamilton thing. Well, she was. She took historically what it would have been a lot... Look, all right, we're done with this. I, I'll take your point. Like I didn't research the... Um, what they were trying to go for in this history. So I'm not going to try and debate that. I took it like watching it and, um, to be like mid 1800s or something or maybe late 1800s, which would have been Queen Victoria in England, mm -hmm. who is decidedly um, very white. But anyway, her not, it's not Queen Victoria. Her name's Charlotte, I think, is the queen's name. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's completely not trying to be Queen Victoria. But that would have been like the time frame it was set in. Um, but I'll move on from that because that was probably like the most controversial thing I had to say. Look, the other, my other, my other problem is, I thought it was not like the whole story. And again, I only watched the two episodes. Seemed to be revolving around uh, young girls, honestly, seemingly problematically young to me. Were trying just trying to get like husbands, trying to get married, which is reductionist, if you ask me. Like. All the, the the first two episodes are all about these eligible women trying to to snag a husband, and like <laughs> the the one guy I don't know his name in the show, but there's a very like very pedophilic sort of relationship that not not really like this really older guy who says he was been eyeing the main character since she was like a little girl, like is is lined up to marry her for a minute because her brother is like setting up the marriage. It's like, a, I, I didn't like this whole, all it was is like women trying to get married and then this whole almost arranged marriage type thing going on. Can um, I throw a question at you just on that note? Because your first point was that you didn't like the, the fact that the sort of diverse casting, it was, it was inauthentic to you. But unfortunately, this part of it is very authentic to history. That's and true. And they're trying to create a different situation and make these 
women stronger and hold them accountable in Shonda Rhimes's narrative and, and give them some sort of um, autonomy and, 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 and sense of independence and in sort of what they're doing. And that's why if you watch through the rest of the season, you see that these women fight very hard to deny these marriages in this universe and in Shonda Rhimes's world for these reasons. well i think it's i think it's honestly playing into like if you had set this like i said if you had set this in a completely alternate reality not in england some like alternate fake england game of thrones situation yeah yeah, game of thrones is a good comp like a separate world and it would have worked much better to me because then you could have told this story like trying to set it in some sort of alternate reality but real world england that's where the problem is. Like, I don't have a problem with them being diverse, but they're, I felt, it felt inauthentic because of the way that they were trying to just sort of have this diverse cast, but not really speak to what the diversity means, right? Like, what it's meaning to people. I'm confused, Ollie. When you say, like, were you offended by this show, are you saying? No, I'm not offended by it. I mean, I, I just, I just don't think it works. It, like, I think it's trying to be, it's trying to score, like, an easy point on this sort of, by casting a progressive or a diverse cast but it's what, not really what do you what do you how do you know it's trying to do that i thought they it picked is, like I mean, great it is, actors i don't know but they but they're they set this is what they set it in the real world right they set it in real world england these people would have been white like so you're just casting diverse group of actors into which is fine if you set it in an alternate reality and if you're trying to speak to some sort of point about their race they weren't really they were just casting diverse actors into this these roles like i i have to disagree only because i feel like a lot of this does deal with a much bigger issue that you know has been brought up this this past year in 2020 and and the the idea of representation and for the reasons that you were saying which is that you know historically it would have been white people and historically and this is how we've told the stories always and Shonda Rhimes is trying to tell a story that all of us love, which are the Jane Austen stories. At the heart, the storyline, the plot lines we all relate to, we all love. But not everybody can relate to them because these stories aren't about them. And since it is essentially made up, I mean, Pride and Prejudice, while elements are true in it, the story of Pride and Prejudice, we don't know to have been really true. So why not create a different outcome? I mean, this is why we are entertained by television and movies anyway. It's not always entirely real. But at least this way, it opens it up to give a fair representation to everybody so that everybody can see themselves in these roles, as opposed to stereotyping, let's say, people of color. It was always the best best friend role. Now they're the leading man. And you bring up men in a situation where they're admitting certain issues that in past plot lines maybe they wouldn't have to give men also you know some accountability and responsibility in a positive way and show strength in these things that traditionally we haven't done in plot lines prior i love how this show played with history and added some modern day elements i loved the music in this show like i love oh, yeah. i love when they would like bring a pop song in and you know like the you know there's like ariana grande and billy eilish playing like the violinists were playing in the background and the waltz and the yeah it was great yeah i'm actually like very surprised in general that this this talk has gotten so serious so quickly i thought this show was just so much fun i i it's fun i wasn't thinking like this show made me like i realized this show is trying to like say some things in the background but i was just along for the ride the whole time and i really enjoyed it I didn't. Well, I mean, I I didn't. I like immediately didn't. I, I didn't find it I would fun. Say if you can, if you can garner or muster the ability, try to hang in there for like another episode or two. And if you can't, then at least you've given it a fair run. Um, but I have to agree with you, Patrick. 
it it was I to me I love the fun of it I loved all the color I love like I said how they kind of did a Baz Luhrmann type twist with the music and it was fun it was just fun now I have a question for you about Sam you, you can answer this too but now the show kind of is a in a way it's a sort of pride and prejudice set gossip girl almost I don't, have you seen gossip yeah. girl yeah so oh, we, yeah. we have lady whistledown it's kind of she's the narrator uh and you know like she plays a role of sort of the same thing as gossip girl did on that show mm-hmm. now did you care who lady whistledown was well what's funny is i had wa- i started watching this and i without giving anything away i i kind of wondered who the, the person was at first but it wasn't to me that it didn't take the same stances in Gossip or what everybody always wanted to know who she was. I was just, again, I think I just love that Julie Andrews was the narrator and I was caught up in the drama of the storylines more to care. But my friend and I took bets. Um, I won the bet. I was very excited about that <laughs> as to who she ended up being. Um, and so that was, that was kind of fun. Um, to see who, 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 especially, you know, as, as the season went on, I don't want to give spoilers for people who haven't fully watched it, but it, it was fun to kind of go on that adventure. I how was, about you? I personally, I didn't care at all who Lady Whistledown. Like, I was kind of so wrapped up and having too much of a good time, but yeah. I, I did like, at the end, they do reveal who it is, and so I want to say, I actually, like, I think they are going to have more seasons of this show that focus on the other siblings, but I thought this was a. I thought this season wrapped itself up so fantastically. Like this whole season, I think makes a very pleasant watch and complete watching experience. I, I didn't care. I didn't care about really any of the characters. So that's not. It's not like a fair to ask me. You know, my point has been made. Um, I did have a like. This was another problem I had was, you know, to what I was saying. Like all everybody is obsessed with this basically tabloid, right? Like which I thought is a stereotype, like women being obsessed with like a tabloid. Um, you know, everyone's reading this and like, that's how everyone's making their decisions. Again, only two episodes in. So there was apparently more to that story with her. Um, but like, I, I just, it was like, it seems so, it seems so dumb to me. It was like every, everybody just was cared so much about what this one person would write in her tabloid. I don't know, even today, like, people care about what's said on Twitter and Instagram, like, as gossip about people. Yeah. So sure. I feel like, what's the difference? You know, you know, people want to be mentioned in the right blogs in the in the right way. I mean, there's oh, people in society always want to be mentioned in the right way by the right sources, I feel like. Well, I do think it's interesting that it, it to me, kind of works only because while things have progressed in certain ways at the end of the day, you know, we have, what is it, you know, TMZ and just Jared and all the, all these things where it's, we still follow celebrity gossip. So she serves as a great catalyst for conflict, right. You know, and um, Shonda Rhimes is always great at creating juicy conflict. So um, I I thought that was kind of interesting. And like, you know, in the beginning, I don't know, like I mentioned that if I cared as much, but when they sort of got a lead and went with it and it turned out not to be or to be or, you know, however that turned out, because, again, I don't I don't want spoilers. It was fascinating to take it from that point to kind of learn who this this person is. Um, and I look forward to kind of exploring that more in what I hope to be further seasons. With these cast let's, members. let's talk about Shonda Rhimes for a second. Now, actually, I have to watch some Grey's Anatomy, so I lied before. I guess I did not realize that was her. Uh, but now. My understanding is that her ABC shows were kind of event television, right? People would have parties. Wasn't there like Shonda parties or something? People would watch them and talk about the episodes, yeah. right? 
especially yeah especially Grey's Anatomy scandal I was a I, I jumped on the scandal bandwagon um a little a little bit into it and but from like the first I'd say like it was two episodes three episodes in it gets you hooked and I actually just in the middle of COVID a friend of mine he's very into political thrillers and somehow you know he'd seen House of Cards he'd seen How to Get Away with Murder but he hadn't seen Scandal which to me is where a lot of it originated and so I was like no you got you got to go watch this show um and he got into he was immediately engrossed in it the same way I mean it does it provokes a lot of chatter and it gets you on the edge of your seat so I guess my question is I'm wondering do you think this format of all the episodes being dumped at once are Shonda fans not fans of that do you think I actually I want to say that I thought each episode though was like the, each one was very complete and left off like with a nice cliff like I thought like a lot of streaming television just goes like one into the other but I thought if you just watch this in chunks I thought it was each episode was a really nice capsule itself I, I thought it, it, they all kind of worked as a good standalone, but then also built to the overall drama of a season very well. Um, and I do like that they left the season finale, if you will, the way that they did, again, without giving spoilers. Um, I was very satisfied with that. And I feel like that's also kind of what plays into the popularity of, of this type of show, because you have the sort of Jane Austen fans, the I think it's the Edwardian period. You have fans of these forms of literature and shows and movies and now you have the Shonda crowd and you kind of have <laughs> combined them together and you know there was Downton Abbey back in the day and they held watch parties for that so I think this will probably just especially in COVID it might become a more digital thing but it has that potential for sure <laughs> so, so like you you guys mentioned this is a very Jane Aust- I've never read Jane Austen but I, oh, um, <laughs> you've read all Jane you've read all the Jane Austen actually I have yeah okay uh, not I'm all not, of it, it's not a criticism, but, yeah. um, but I like this is my last criticism. So, <laughs> uh, you guys have mentioned that a couple times. I watched the movie Ma Rainey's Black Bottom right before I saw the first couple episodes of this, and that's a based on an August Wilson play. And I actually, when I was watching these, it was an interesting comparison because it's um, like August Wilson writes dial like writes incredible dialogue, right? Like. He captures like dialogue so well, just how people would speak to each other in like a normal context, I feel like. And I felt the opposite watching this. So it's interesting you guys talk about Jane Austen because she's like one of the great writers in history, really. And you haven't read. I haven't read, but like everybody likes, not every, I mean, I don't know if everybody likes Jane Austen or not, but I just think it's an interesting, like, I didn't find the dialogue in this interesting to me at all. But it was probably an unfair because I had just watched something else where I, I found the dialogue like incredible and the the script incredible. So it was like, it probably tainted my view a little bit. The dialogue was great in this show. You've never read Jane Austen. You weren't around in 1813. I feel like that was just like a long winded way of saying you like the dialogue in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. I I don't get what you're trying to say. I I just, did I say, I didn't think the dialogue was good and it was a, I watched something that I thought it was excellent before that. And it just like seemed like coming down so many pegs for me. Well, okay. Did you, I don't know if you, you may not be a fan, but like the movie 10 things I hate about you. Have you ever seen that? Oh, or, you not, know, in a, not in like, yeah, a long right. time but ago. So that was based on Taming of the Shoe by Shakespeare. And that the idea of that was to tell that story in a more accessible way to the targeted audience, which was teenagers. If you go in and, you know, 
basically do a, a television, you know, or a movie version of Shakespeare and make it for teenagers, you're either going to have to make it a musical, you're going to have to make it something that is more accessible to them, or they're not going to follow it. And this was an interesting retelling of that in a new way and, and made it entertainment. And I feel like that's what they did here is they, they made a show like this, where if you had taken a completely authentic route, as you're stating, wouldn't have been as fun as, as Patrick keeps saying. And it, this is just more accessible, I think, to people. If she had used Edwardian language or uh, Van Dusen, who's the actual creator of it, had adhered to that, I don't know that it would have reached as many people. And, and I think that's kind of the cool thing about it is it's taken a fun twist on, on something. Fair enough. Sam, I have a question for you. I want you to name one thing that you liked about this show. <laughs> well, I'll give you, I, I thought the, uh, the sets and like the costumes and everything were, were pretty great. Like, yeah. and that, I don't think they're to me, they don't seem historically accurate, but they seem like done like to, to a degree where they're just fun to look at. Like the, the dresses that the women are wearing are, are, you know, crazy beautiful. I don't know that like in the 1800s, they had dresses like that beautiful, you know, but I, I did like like some of the, some of the sets and some of the um, costumes were definitely like up there. That's kind of a, a mild, uh, a positive, a mild positive criticism, I guess I have, but um, yeah, I, I'll give you that. That was like, it was very entertaining to look at. Now, Ashley, I have a question for you. Okay, yes. we're it's me and you. We're in we're in eighteen thirteen. It's courtship season in London. Which of these guys are you trying to snag? Who who would be Hastings your target? Without a doubt, Hastings. Okay, without a doubt. Okay, he's I, like he's strong, but he's vulnerable. I mean, we can't overlook the fact that he is very good looking. I um, mean, he can dance because, again, as you mentioned, I love to dance. So. <laughs> Now, you know, you can't overlook the parts of that. This We have to... Okay, so Sam didn't even get this far in the show. But I think like, if he would have, he, he would have hated this. But his motivation <laughs> for not wanting to have children, that is a really... Oh, I got to that. That's the second away. episode. One I of got the to weirdest that. character motivations ever. I got to that. That's in the second episode. Okay, you but got you to that. Know, again, if we look at kind of the back and forth of context and history, I yeah. feel like it's so odd, but it's so appropriate I, I hated kind of that. How like dedicating yourself with a with tunnel vision to something like this <laughs> can really mess up your life. <laughs> you got hey, you know you got to spite your dead father. Okay, that's no, you, you you got to. I mean, I guess that's that's the moral story. But it just you know how sometimes our own rigidness can keep us from happiness. I guess is the moral <laughs> story. And so later in the show, when he and Daphne are having sex. Every time they have sex, hey, we, we see. Oh well, yeah, yeah. Spoiler. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah, but like when they show him like pulling out, and it's it's a lot of fun if you're watching it with somebody to sort of comment on him pulling out all the time. It was a uh, yeah, very enjoyable television. But I, I'm not gonna say what happens. At the, I shouldn't. Just, yeah. Spoiler. <laughs> spoiler. <laughs> sorry, guys. Spoiler. Sorry to the audience. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're gonna have to put a disclaimer before you air it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But go ahead. You were saying that that moment. You started with it. You might as well finish. No pun intended. Oh, whoa. I like that. I like that. Well, <laughs> no. actually, does, is there anything anybody else wants to say about Bridgerton? Just that I really did love it. Um, you know, I, I thought it took all the best elements of television and Shonda Rhimes and, you know, and, and again, the, the creator of Inducent, all of them. Got it too. Sam was morally <laughs> outraged by it. It was. <laughs> yeah, that's what you took away. Yeah. 
Well, all right, Ashley, thank you so much for yeah, joining the show. Uh, is there anything you'd like to plug or where can people find you on social media and online? Um, I mean, you can find me on Instagram. It's Ash Hall 13. And as you know, Patrick mentioned, one of my hobbies is dance. So if you all like dance, plenty to watch over there. And um, yeah, my, my website is uh, just AshleyGHall.com. So yeah, follow right. me, chat with me, like talking to people. Ashley, it was a joy. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ashley. Bye. Bye. Have a good one. You too. Now we're going to take a quick break and we'll come back and deal. All right, let's start dealing. Um, Before we really get into it, we're going to talk about the college football playoff today. Uh, The two games were yesterday. We're going to talk about some NFL, some COVID situations that just came up. But before we get into it, we just made a bet couple podcasts ago ben simmons has hit a three are i'm worried you, are you nervous yeah i'm worried did you see it no i did not see it, it. looked good did it really yeah it oh, was flat okay. it was nothing but net it was in rhythm it looked good uh-oh well they were playing like the pistons and the Cavs or something weren't they they put uh that was the um oh man now i can't i watched actually watched it but they were up like 35 at the half they were killing them yeah, right so that doesn't count ben, no, see, he would never he shoot it, this he hit it in the first quarter <laughs> oh okay. okay so it it no he like Embiid passed it to him on the wing he made like he ran down to the corner he was wide open and he just took it so all good signs oh, and okay. it looked good um but anyway i just want to make sure see if you you know do you want to you want to call it now definitely not i'm i feel okay that was the only one he took, like all game. So, something in your favor. But. So he's one for one on the season, huh? Yeah, he's shooting one hundred percent. I feel okay. Better than your boy Jamal Murray. I feel okay. Well, we'll have to check. It. Well, he's made more threes than that, so. But he's not shooting one hundred percent. No, definitely not. <laughs> Let's move on to college football playoff real quick. Let's do it. The uh, the two the two games were last night. Bama just destroyed Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. And let's let's start with the other game: Ohio State destroying Clemson playing incredibly well um did you watch the, you watched the game last night I, I think you did i did yes what, what were your your thoughts on it was like really surprising scoreline to be honest listen i went to penn state so i'm saying this all through clenched teeth but ohio state looks really good yeah i mean but let's be real they've outplayed clemson two years in a row okay they should have won that game last year they just blew it um it was an ass kicking Mm-hmm. Through and through, I, I I feel like you must be very excited because your boy Dabo really took one on the chin yesterday. Oh, look, I don't. So I should be a more of a, a Ohio State fan. I have a lot of family who went to Ohio State, but I'm not. I don't like Ohio State. That said, I've gone on record about my dislike for Clemson and Dabo Swinney more. So I was pretty happy about this thrashing. They looked unprepared, like they just got smoked so thoroughly. Um. Um, but they just looked unprepared. Like they, whoa, 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 whoa! They were not unprepared. Okay, you know what the problem was? Is that Ohio State was twice as rested. Okay, because they had only played half as many games. Okay, of course they were super fresh. You know they didn't have any injuries because they didn't have to play any games. Right? Clemson was robbed. Right? They were sandbagged. Okay, it's not fair. Ohio State should have never been in. Okay, they're way too rested. So I think uh, Clemson gets the pass. This here is the me. most fasci- right. facetious take right. ever. Um, I mean, like they just got whooped up and down the field. They their defense couldn't stop. Their offense looked so impotent for Trevor Lawrence. For Trevor Lawrence, like they could barely complete a pass further than ten yards. Trevor I mean, Lawrence peaked freshman year. I said it. <laughs> he did. He, I, I mean, that was his most impressive. Yeah, season. you might be right. Um, 
But all right, so let's talk about this. The other, the first game yesterday, Notre Dame. Look, there's nothing unsurprising about what happened here. We called it. Everybody called this. Like Notre Dame getting their ass kicked by Alabama. It wasn't even close from the start. Like the honestly, the score line was like better for Notre Dame than than it really was because they just were uncompetitive. They had one good drive where they scored a touchdown. They went like 90 yards or something. Other than that, they couldn't do anything. They were they got a garbage time touchdown, but that doesn't count. Um, the whole fourth quarter was garbage time. So, uh, did you watch this game? And what were your thoughts here? I don't even want to talk about this game. Do you? Notre Dame does not deserve our consideration. Do, so, do you think Ohio State has a chance against Alabama? Yeah, based on that performance. Yeah, I do want to. I want to bash Notre Dame for a minute, um, because this is a program that has not been like. They've been they get the they get the like the attention like they're relevant, but they're not, right? Like since their last championship, uh their last national championship was nineteen eighty eight, where they actually beat West Virginia. And that they're we're Okay, like, so this is where the hate comes from. Okay. Well look, no, I've always hated them because yeah. they get like treated like like college football royalty when they haven't been for thirty plus years. Like they're oh and seven in BCS and New Year's and New Year's Day six games since like the start of the BCS in 1998, they are have lost every one of those games by 14 points or more. Yeah, they showed that on the screen like all day. But listen, I mean, B- royalty. There's only three teams that are royalty, and that's Alabama, Ohio State, and Clemson. But you know? I, I right now I agree with that. But Notre Dame gets treated all the time like they are like they they have their own network still. You know, like they get they get preferential treatment when it comes to the college football playoff. Um, they get like higher ratings just because they're Notre Dame and they have a giant fan base that, you know, like I, I wanted to comp compare them to kind of, uh, and this is not, this is fair and not fair. The Penn state, like Penn state was college football royalty for a long time. And around the same time, they both kind of dipped. You know what the difference is? Penn state won a BCS game. Like, Oh, no, I didn't see this turnaround. Coming. But, but I like, I'm, this. like, okay. like yeah. but we don't, we don't treat Penn state the same way. You know, there was a scandal in there. <laughs> But like uh, we we don't treat Penn State the same way, or some of these other like blue blood old Miami University of Miami, they don't get treated the same you know what, way. Sam, Notre Dame you does. said something nice about Penn State, so I just want to congratulate West Virginia on that big victory in the was it the Liberty Ar- Bowl? Yeah, beat Army. Yeah, Liberty Bowl. Okay, yeah, there we go. Yeah, I'm done with my anti Notre Dame rant. They suck. Like, they should never be in the playoff again. But so I do think Ohio State has a shot. Are you going to pick Ohio State? No. But, I mean, I think it's going to be a great game. I really do. I mean, they looked absolutely incredible. I mean, really, I mean, it kills me to say this, but Ohio State is kind of like the Bama of the North. They really are. It's a dominant program. I mean, they churn out. I mean, outside of Alabama, they probably churn out the most NFL players. So, I mean, there's going to be a lot of guys who are going to play on Sunday who are going to be playing in that championship game. So, I'm looking forward to seeing it. And after that dismantling of Clemson, you can't count them out, but guns to my head, I'm going with Bama. I agree. Yeah. They they impress me, and they make me think that that game will be better than I originally thought it would have been. Anyway, okay. Uh, this is something that just happened today. So Steve Sarkeesian just was hired as the, the head coach at Texas. De- uh, Tom Herman was just fired yesterday, I think. Um. So 
let's hear your take on this. You know, I'm a Big 12 guy, West Virginia Big 12, so... I just think it's a bad hire. I mean, you talk about schools that have dipped. When did Texas win that national title with Vince Young? 2003, 2006? That would have been 05. Okay. Th- that program has done nothing but go in the tank mm-hmm. after that. Okay. They made and, a championship game. Now, after Mac, was uh, Tom Herman the uh, coach after Mac Brown? Or was there somebody else? In no, between? they had oh, Charlie Strong. Name? That's right. Yes. Char- no, no, he was the Notre Dame guy, I thought. No, that's no, you're Charlie. Right. That's the Louisville guy. You're right. Charlie Strong was the, the, uh, the Louisville guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, this is, I think this is a really bad hire and a really risky hire. Uh, I mean, this guy, his, we've seen him as the head of a major program at USC and it did not end well. Obviously, I'm talking about he showed up drunk to uh, practice. Yeah, he had something. alcohol problems. He had major alcohol problems. At USC. I, you know, you know, listen, we wish him well. I would not have given this guy control of one of the biggest programs in the country. I think it's an idiotic hire, to be honest with you. Maybe he's just some amazing recruiter that I don't know about. But, I, I mean, it's different when you've got—he has to report to Nick Saban. You know, he has structure. He has a boss. But, I mean, Texas is—I think it should be one of the biggest programs in the country. It is. Right? I mean, yeah. Money-wise, I mean, it is. Money-wise, yeah. it is. You, so— I do, I'm baffled by this hire, to be honest with you. I kind of get it. I, I mean, obviously, say Well, in the sense of like, look, he's ran major programs before. It didn't go well, but he's had head coaching jobs before. Saban clearly like spoke up for him, I feel like, because with this alcohol problem in his past, he had to have gotten an endorsement from Saban. Like, I don't know that unless they just didn't care and they saw how great Alabama's offense is this year, which they are truly great. Um that would have been i mean i wouldn't put it past texas to make a ill-fated choice like that they've they've kind of done stuff like that in the past but uh you're right like uh based on their boosters this is one of the probably the top program in the country based on how much money they can drum up like they own texas um you know texas a&m has their small portion houston has like their small portion and baylor has their but they own the whole state um so it is huge i I mean i guess we'll see i i love it as a west virginia guy because I don't see it working out very well, to your point. Um, but I, I kind of get it. Like he's just coached amazing offense this year in a hard time in a difficult year to coach. So hopefully, I, I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully, it uh, doesn't pick up the bottle. But no. Well, I won't wish him out. All right, let's move on to from college to pro football. Another story that just happened today. So. Basically, the entire Saints running back room is exposed or had one of I think Kamara had COVID. He has it, yeah. Okay, so their their entire running back room is out for this Sunday game, which is actually still meaningful. Like, they can still potentially get the number one seed with the Packers losing. And then they may end up missing, if they don't get the number one seed, they may miss the playoff game. Do you think the Saints have any shot at winning without Kamara I mean, without Kamara one, but like their entire running back core at all. Like, can they win a playoff game without them? Yes, they could. But man, it's gonna be really interesting to see how COVID in general affects these playoffs. Now, I saw that if the Saints play a game next week on Saturday, then Kamara could come back, but or he couldn't come back. But then if they played on Sunday, he would be able to make it back. Honestly, I think the NFL should try to help these teams out, like where stars are concerned, and like make sure that the Saints play on Sunday next week so that Alvin Kamara can come back. I mean, 
obviously if this is we're talking about like Pat Mahomes and say like he has to clear a window, they're gonna do it. They'll, they'll move a game to friggin' Wednesday, okay, during the playoffs to make sure that he's gonna make it. So it's gonna be interesting to see which teams get treatment or not. I, I really, I, I just hope everybody stays healthy throughout these playoffs so we can see these teams at as close to 100% as they can be. I'm going to take a point from your boys on PTI, Wilbon and Kornheiser, who said this multiple times. Like the NFL should be under no obligation to play the Super Bowl on a specific date. Like they cuz everybody's going to watch it. So like you I think you're right. They should particularly playoff games and our buddy Cody's going to be pissed cuz he was so pissed that the Browns were down their fo- their whole wide receiver core last week cuz of COVID. But like they should delay for any of the playoff teams, if they are missing a significant player or players, they should like push the game to try and make sure it'll happen. I mean, like obviously you can't push it like a couple weeks, but if you can push it a day, like Kamara will be available on Sunday and push it one day, they should do that because it's better for the neutral fans like to see these games like be good. You know, Kamara is an exciting player. Like that game is demonstrably worse without him. Um it just it won't be as exciting and more than likely. I agree. I think they should just do whatever they can to get these games in with full strength teams. Yeah, I'm with you. Well, that wraps up this episode of Spieling and Dealing. Thank you, everybody, for listening. You can email us with your takes or your feedback anytime at spielingandealing at gmail.com or you can leave us a voice message at www.speakpipe.com slash dealing, and we may play your message on the show. There's links to both of those in the show notes. Again, thank you everybody for listening, and we will catch you next time.